are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. A good amount of stuff to get to on this Monday edition of the show. We're going to do a full recap of the win against Florida State on Saturday. We're bringing back the good, the bad, and the ugly segment. So we'll start out with that. We'll then transition into the weekly initial takeaways and reactions. And then we'll finish out this Monday edition with a weekly Monday mailbag. Before we get into that, like I mentioned, for those who are not aware of who I am, my name is Dalton Pence. I'm a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone where I serve as a football beat writer and a recruiting analyst. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in sports like lacrosse, field hockey, soccer, baseball, etc. You can follow my personal Twitter at dpence underscore, and you can follow the podcast Twitter page at LO underscore Louisville. Also, want to make sure you check out the Locked on ACC podcast hosted by Candace Cooper. There's no better way to get all of that good information, especially trying to learn more about Louisville's opponents. So check that out on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to get your podcasts. So let's dive right on into the show. We'll start out with the good, the bad, and the ugly surrounding Louisville's win against Florida State. 31-23 on Saturday afternoon down in Tallahassee. It is the Cards' second win down on the road against Florida State since I believe the 1950s or the 1970s, one of the two. Regardless, it had been at least 50-something years. So we'll start out with the good. I think obviously the good is that the Cards scored 31 points in the first half. It really looked like the offense was clicking early on, something that the Louisville fan base was looking for. And the Cards scored on the first possession with uh, Malik Cunningham connecting with Tyler Harrell on a 59-yard catch and score. And Louisville would actually go up, like I mentioned, 31 to seven at one point in that first half before making it a 31 to 13 halftime lead. Um, and I thought that, like every other Louisville fan, that this was going to be a trouncing like it was last season. Unfortunately, we'll transition into the bad here in a second. But um, to, to cap off the good, I thought that the Louisville offense did extremely well in this game. Um, you know, there was a lot of involvement with the wide receiving core. Once again, Malik Cunningham had a very, very nice day. 264 yards through the air, two touchdowns, no interceptions, two touchdowns on the ground. He has had multiple rushing touchdowns in each of the four games for Louisville this season. So I think that the good obviously has to be that the Cardinals showed in the first half that they can start out quickly and they can score with some pace. So I was very excited for that. Unfortunately, the bad is that I guess you were, we're, we'll probably task this with the ugly, but the bad is that the Louisville defense didn't necessarily do a lot to stop the running game for Florida State. The team had 36 carries for 205 yards, two touchdowns, and a lot of that showed in the second half. There was a 75-yard touchdown scored by Jayshon Corbett, who had 11 for 59 and a touchdown. Treshawn Ward, 10 for 50 and a touchdown. So, I thought that the Louisville rushing defense was definitely subpar 
the team gave up 5.7 yards per rush, which definitely showed in that second half when Florida State was trying to mount a comeback. And that's when a lot of the Seminoles' rushing attack was able to come to fruition against the Cards. So you can argue that everything went wrong in that second half, and it did. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But the bad in this case, in my opinion, has to be the rushing defense, considering I think that the first three weeks, the unit has done a pretty decent job, you know, in shutting down, maybe not shutting down, but limiting what Mississippi got. Central Florida didn't necessarily do that much on the ground. Florida State was a different animal, however. Um, like I mentioned, Jay Sean Corbin really had his way. That 75-yard touchdown kind of kick-started the comeback to where a lot of Louisville fans were on the edge of their seats. I know I was for that uh, Saturday contest. So the good is that Malik Cunningham and the Louisville offense started out strong, scored 31 points in the first half. The bad is that the Louisville defense just didn't do that well in terms of shutting down the Florida State rushing attack. And the ugly is simply the fact that Florida State got back in this game after being down 24 points. And the fact that Louisville did not score in the second half, that is the ugly portion of this um, like I mentioned, this had the makings and signs of being another true blowout like it was last season. The Cardinal offense just stalled in the second half. Um, it was a mixture of a lot of things. I think the play calling got extremely too conservative. Um, we'll kind of touch on this a little more in the initial takeaways and reactions. So I don't want to get too into depth in this segment per se. But I just think that the fact that you know, it looked like it was going to be a very good win for Louisville. And don't get me wrong, a, a win is a win, especially in the conference. So I'm not arguing, you know, that. But what I am saying is the fact that, you know, it went from being one of those another possible morale-boosting win to now it's like, uh, okay, I mean, we won, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of things to work on. Um so I think that Mackenzie Milton was really contained in that first half. He ended the game 24 for 39, 248 yards, a touchdown in an interception. The interception coming on the last play of the game for Florida State in which Keetro Clark won a man-to-man coverage battle and picked off a pass near the goal line. He actually only had about a 15.7 quarterback rating, so didn't play well at all. Um, but I thought that the Louisville offense didn't necessarily do a good job of moving down the field at all in that second half. A ton of three and outs. And then the Louisville defense, like I mentioned, gave up a lot on the ground. Uh, Corbin with that 75-yard touchdown. I know that McKenzie Milton connected with Kansas transfer Andrew Parchment for a touchdown. So ultimately, I just feel like you know this has to be the ugly. The ugly has to be that Louisville after leading 17 to 0 early on in this game and then 31 to 7 at one point even 31 to 13 still has the makings of a blowout i understand that you know Florida State truly only scored 10 more points in this game but it's the fact that Louisville did not really even come close it's not the fact that they didn't score what well, it is i'm not don't let me lie to you but it's also you know, even worse, the fact that it didn't even look like Louisville was even close in that second half to score. That has to be, you know, a concern moving forward. I'm interested to see, you know, how Scott Satterfield 
addresses that in his weekly press conference later on today. So we'll talk a little bit about that press conference in the Tuesday edition of the show. But like I mentioned, there is a lot more to be desired from this performance against Florida State. It was like a tale of two halves, I guess you could say. You know, shout out to Charles Dickens for that reference. So um, we'll transition into getting into initial takeaways and reactions, diving a little bit deeper into that. But before we do that, we need to dive a little deeper into daily fantasy. Um, if you're a college football fanatic, you need to hear about prize picks. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. It offers more college football props than anyone in the world and even offers all of the star players in the Power 5 as well as mid-major players you might not have even ever heard of. Price Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of those that deposit and use the promo code Locked On will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So here's how it works. You get... Two to five players that you'll pick and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's literally just you versus the projected numbers. It allows multi-sport entries as well, so you can literally take the over on LeBron James and combine that with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. So you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Price picks is safe, and it offers fast withdrawals as well. So do yourself a favor. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code Locked On, or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, so transitioning into the second segment of the show, like always, we're going to give our initial takeaways and reactions from the preceding game, in this case, the Florida State contest. So overall, this was a good win. Um, I don't necessarily, I mean, I do care how they won, but at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win. I don't care how you got it. Um, You can focus on that later on, but I'd rather have an ugly win than a pretty loss. So um, at the end of the day, this was a solid one. The cards moved to 3-1, 1-0 in the ACC. So very important, especially when you consider how tough the schedule gets in the latter half of it. Um, So... Offensively, like I mentioned, this was a very good team in the first half of football. After that, it seemed like the play calling got a little vanilla. We started to become more conservative in that realm, a lot more runs, and it seemed like you know the Florida State athletes on that defensive line were able to shut down the run. Jalen Mitchell and Maurice Berkeley weren't able to get a lot of things going in the second half. The offensive line struggled to create some gaps in that sense but honestly it just seemed like the identity of the offense completely shifted from a team that was going for throats to a team that didn't necessarily it didn't even look like they wanted to score in the second half honestly um i thought that malik cunningham in the first half was really killing it with those intermediate throws you know the eight to ten yard throws that florida state showed that secondary could not do anything about hence why they had 31 points in the first half So I think that, so I mentioned, I'm very curious to see what Scott Satterfield has to say about the second half. Um, I I think I I saw something preliminarily after the game where it said, you know, we didn't necessarily shift what we did. 
we just basically were figured out by Florida State, and you know, that's you know, not verbatim, just kind of a summary. And if that's the case, then something would have had to have been done adjustment-wise. You can't, you know, keep going into the second half with the same mindset that you did in the first half. It, if it's true, if Florida State was making the adjustments, because I think, um, you know, that necessarily wouldn't have been a great thing to hear. I would almost rather have been that they did switch the style of play and try to maybe burn some clock or something like that to you know ensure a little victory. But at the end of the day, it was very evident that the rushing attack just wasn't getting it done in the second half. There were a lot of three and outs. The offense stalled, and in turn, it really kind of gassed the Louisville defense. And it's a defense that gave up a lot on the ground, so they were on the field for you know a good amount of you know high number of plays high number of yardage drives so it's it's a synergy sense you know the offense if you're not going to stay on the field a lot if you're going to get in three and out situations and then in a situation in which the Florida State offense is starting to get clicking that doesn't bode well for your defense you're not doing that unit any favors in terms of staying on the field allowing your defense to gain its legs again, get its breath back before it goes back out there. And and it showed. Defensively, I thought that the cards did pretty well in the first half outside of, you know, the last half of the second quarter in which Florida State was able to kind of get it it going. And it looked like Florida State was going to get that offense rolling late in the first half. Um, It was just, you know, so big of a deficit that I don't think a lot of people truly Gave a lot of thought to it, but in the second half, a totally different story. The Louisville offense really wasn't able to stay on the field, so Florida State scored seven in that third quarter, got a lot of Louisville fans on the edge of their seat, then hit a field goal to get down into a single possession. And then there were two possessions late in the game where you know Mackenzie Milton couldn't convert on fourth down. It looked like it was going to be a one-on-one on the outside. I'm not sure who the defender was, but there was definitely a miscommunication. The opposing receiver kind of turned in on a curl route, but Milton threw it a little deeper. So Louisville took over, immediately went three and out, and Florida State got the ball back, and like I mentioned, Cottrell Clark, that spectacular interception. So defensively, a lot to be desired from in that performance, and just kind of a lot to be desired from the team in a general sense, but a notable tidbit that I want to bring to your all's attention, and this is very encouraging. I actually tweeted this out. In the first three games, Louisville recorded a total of five sacks throughout the whole team, um, two against Mississippi, uh, one against Eastern Kentucky, two against Central Florida. And in the game against Florida State, the team topped that number in one game with six total sacks, Aston Jolotti had two, Yasir Abdullah had two, Yaya Diaby and Malik Clark both had one apiece, respectively, for the Cardinal defense. And I thought that the pressure against the opposing quarterback was a lot better. It's the best that I've seen that pass rush all year long. And it's extremely encouraging because moving forward, playing some of these good quarterbacks that you're going to play here in the next couple weeks... I mean, that, that, that's necessarily what you're going to need from that defensive line. I thought that, you know, at the very least, there were some quarterback hurries to where it made McKenzie Milton just make his reads that much quicker, and it caused a lot of disruption. In the first half, they really weren't able to get anything going at all. And I think, you know, judging by that second half, if Louisville doesn't go out to that big lead, 
there's a good chance that they end up losing this game. So ultimately, I think that this was a great job by, by the pass rush. And for the most part, the secondary, I thought, did an okay job as well. The only thing that kind of you know sours this performance is just the fact that the rushing defense just was not there like it had been in the first three weeks. And, you know, Florida State's always been known for their solid running backs. Jay Sean Corbin, one of the more underrated backs in the ACC. So overall, good performance. You know, across the board in the first half, the second half, unfortunately, there's some things the team needs to focus on in that second half that we can learn from. And some of those things are, you know, doing a better job of stopping the run overall. And for the record, I think that this prevent defense, no matter what the overall objective is, I just don't think it's been all that successful. It didn't necessarily work against Mississippi, didn't necessarily work against Central Florida. When we use it against Florida State, didn't necessarily work as well. So I, I'm interested to see the the changes that Brian Brown and the defense make. So I mean, like I mentioned last week against the win against Central Florida, it's going to be just a matter of staying consistent in your improvements. And I think if there's anything about consistency, is that there's many levels to it. And I think that the consistency of and I think maintaining a consistent level of play throughout a game, turning in a, a solid overall game is the objective for any game, obviously, for any team in college football. Uh, that shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone or anything like that. But, um, you know, there were a lot of times last season where Louisville played a good half of football but just couldn't put it together for four quarters. I think Central Florida was an exception to that. It's going to be uh, a point of focus on as we go into this week's matchup against Wake Forest which will be um, you know, pretty pretty big matchup and a, a solid team to play against. So we'll talk about what the Cards need to do in terms of improvements looking ahead to that matchup. Before we get into the final segment regarding the Monday mailbag, let's talk a little bit about Sweatblock. Um, ever since they sent me that care package of Dr. Create and Dr. Recommended Antiperspirant products, I have fallen in love with them. Um, it works for up to seven days per use, and there's the dry shirt guarantee, so Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry. You can get your money back. It's been featured and tested on, on the Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters, and it's a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews, currently number one in the Amazon antiperspirant category, and it's manufactured right here in the United States. So you're able to wear what you want to wear. You can have your little secret to confidence. It's a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag. Whether it's a big presentation or a hot date, anyone can benefit. Look, I know you're saying, Dalton, this sounds too good to be true, but I literally have only had to use sweat block once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time, so I don't pit out. I don't have to pick my shirts based upon which one will hide the sweat better. If you or anyone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweat block. Do yourself a favor, get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on. Or you can get it at Amazon or CVS. Another opportunity that you need to take advantage of is in the nutrition world. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. This week only, the limited time flavor is the cookie dough chunk. I've heard a lot of great recommendations about that. I'm excited to try it out. Built Bar has nine other delicious flavors uh, that you can also try from coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie peanut butter brownie, double caramel, salted caramel, etc. If you haven't tried all the flavors or you don't know where to start, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy as well. 
from you know 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. All the flavors are tasty and they're healthy, as you can see. So order today. Get that raspberry or salted caramel or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Once again, that's use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So the last segment of this Monday edition of the show, you know, unsurprisingly, we're going to get into the mailbag. There are three questions that I thought were pretty interesting following this win against Florida State that I want to dive into and answer fully. So the first question is, why doesn't Louisville get Tyler Harrell involved more? He had 59 yards on the first drive and only saw one more catch throughout the game. I think that this is a, a good question. Um, I know why. I mean, personally, it's just the fact that I think that Louisville has a ton of mounts to feed. This is a predominantly team that likes to run a lot. Um, this year, it's kind of in the version of Malik Cunningham taking matters into his own hands. So the Cards actually ran the ball 41 times. There were 80 plays on, I'm sorry, 81 total plays of offense. So, you know, just over a 50-50 split in terms of running the ball. So when you kind of dive into that, there, you know, Malik threw 39 passes, completed 25 of those. Two were to Tyler Harrell. There were six other receivers. Marshawn Ford had six catches. Jordan Watkins had five. Justin Marshall, Braden Smith, Josh Johnson, all with four. So I think that you know it, it's going to be something that you're going to see a player bust onto the scene every other week, and it's probably going to be a different player you know each time for the most part. I think that that's the great thing and the beauty about this Louisville wide receiving core is that they have so many guys that they need to feed. You know, and Amari Huggins, Bruce, the super freshman, didn't even make it. Didn't even make a catch in this game against Florida State. So I think that there's going to be weeks where Tyler Harrell gets more targets than than others. It's going to be just a matter of what opposing defenses are giving them. If they're allowing the deep ball, I think Tyler Harrell can have a big Tyler Lockett type of day where he has like four catches for 130 yards and a couple of touchdowns. It didn't look like Florida State was giving up you know that much per play throughout the whole course of the game. Malik Cunningham actually averaged 6.6 yards per per completion. So um, to answer the question, I think that it's not something necessarily to worry about. Sure, I'd like to see Tyler get the ball more, but at the end of the day, there are a lot of mounts to feed in that Louisville receiving core, and this is a team that likes to run the ball a lot, so I wouldn't necessarily see an issue unless he puts up a couple of goose eggs in the games to follow. So I think that's kind of what to expect from Tyler Harrell, you know, moving throughout. So the second question. All right, so moving forward into the second question, it reads, why did Travion Cooley not get one carry or one target in that game against Florida State after scoring against Central Florida? Um, the best answer I can give is that personally, I don't know. I'm not going to act like I did know. Uh, what I do know, however, is that Louisville has a lot of guys in that running back core that deserve some touches and carries. Jalen Mitchell has been solid throughout the first couple weeks. It's no shocker that he got a lot of work. The real shocker was that Maurice Berkeley got 11 carries, but turned in 11 11 carry 45 yard performance where he averaged you know just over four yards per carry. 
So you'll like the Braden, I'm sorry, not the Braden Smith, like the Tyler Harrell thing. Opportunity will come at certain times. Uh, I'm just going to, I know it sounds cliche in nature, but I'm just literally going to point to the Louisville coaching staff's game plan and, you know, just say that there are a lot of mounts to feed. I would have liked to see Cooley got some work as well, especially with the, you know, the plays, the big type of plays that the Florida State defense was allowing in the first half. And I'm sure that if this would have stayed a blowout, then Cooley would have got some carries. But at the end of the day, it's something, you know, going forward to Wake Forest, we'll see who gets, you know, some run. Um, not only Trevion Cooley, but Hassan Hall didn't get a lot of work either. So maybe it was a tactical thing. Maybe, you know, they were banged up. I hadn't heard too much about the injury aspect of either one of those guys. Um Maybe it was just a, a, a fact that Maurice Berkeley had a better week in practice. So we'll, we'll see kind of what, what Scott Satterfield and the rest of the coaching staff and players say throughout this week in their press conference availabilities, and then we'll, we'll judge it based upon that. So with the last question of the day, it's kind of an overall sense um, looking forward to Wake Forest. Um, is Wake Forest going to be one of the top ACC teams that Louisville plays this season? Um, simply put, I don't know. I think it's, it's very early in the season. I think that Wake Forest, for the most part, has handled their business. I mean, they beat Florida State by three touchdowns, but it's also evident that Louisville could have done so as well. Um, and then just recently, they were able to um, beat Virginia on the road 37-17. to First two games beating Old Dominion and Norfolk State. So, as much as it looks like Sam Hartman and that Wake Forest offense has turned it around and the overall defensive aspect as well, it's just hard to make the assumption based upon four weeks of sample size. There's not a lot to go on, especially when the first two weeks are against you know subpar inferior opponents. And the, you know there's no telling how good Virginia is. Florida State is 0-4 for a reason. So I'm not necessarily comfortable with going out and saying that Wake Forest is going to be you know, one of the best teams in the ACC that Louisville plays when you have NC State who just beat Clemson. You have Clemson. You still have Boston College, um, et cetera, going down the line. So I think it's simply too early. The verdict is still out on that. Now, don't get anything twisted. It's going to be a tough matchup. The Cards defense is going to have to come to play. The offense is going to have to, you know, turn in a good overall performance so it's going to be a tough game you know especially on the road in winston-salem which is never easy to play in uh, 12 30 kickoff we'll just have to see um, how the Louisville team is able to come out but overall this is going to be a very big game against a solid in-conference opponent so i would look at it that way so that's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. We talked the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the initial takeaways and reactions from the Louisville win against Florida State on Saturday. And we conducted the weekly Monday mailbag. In the Tuesday edition of the show, we'll talk about Caleb Glenn's recruitment on the basketball side of things for Louisville and everything you need to know in that aspect. Before we get out of here, I want to give a couple quick shout-outs first to the CSZ podcast, all that they're doing. That episode was dropped yesterday, so go check that out at cardinalsportszone.com. And also the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get all the daily picks, blush specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow that podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you like to get your podcasts. That's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. Everyone have a great day, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.